Welcome ladies and gentlemen to Behind the Lodge Door on member-supported Restoration Radio. We are your hosts Dan and Damo. This episode is a members-only episode and is not available for individual purchase and download. However, to receive access to all Restoration Radio episodes, please visit truerestoration.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. Ah, uh, Demo, it's great to be back on Behind the Lodge Door, and I'm really looking forward to this episode too. Same here, Dan. Our listeners may recall we mentioned in episode one that starting from now, episode two, we were going to systematically go through the book titled Behind the Lodge Door, a book written by Mr. Paul A. Fisher, which is, of course, a book about... The Freemasons. That's right, Demo. We were going to go through the book systematically, but we've since changed our minds. Yes, listeners, we had a rethink and decided that we really had some unfinished business which needed to be dealt with before getting stuck into the book itself. So as a result, we are going to use this episode too to cover off on some other key information which we think will further assist us all to get as much as we can out of the series. Now listeners, the Behind the Lodge Door Zero show was an introduction to Freemasonry. And in that show, Damo and I provided an overview of what Freemasonry is. And we also discussed how Holy Mother Church treats Freemasonry and in fact, how she treats all secret societies. Then, in episode one, Dan and I discussed some of the activities of the Freemasons, including their sinister role in both the American and French revolutions, but we also took a closer look at the sorts of tactics that the Masons employ to manipulate the full spectrum of society, ranging from the individual to an entire country, with an emphasis on the Freemasonic efforts to achieve their main satanic aim, which is to rid society of the supernatural. And for the listeners out there who have not yet heard The Zero Show and Episode 1, we recommend you do so before listening to this Episode 2, or any other future show for that matter. Good advice, Damo. And for our low-level Freemasonic listeners out there, we strongly suggest that you also listen to the first two shows Mm. because your eyes will be open to the reality of your secret society. That's right. And you'll then have no excuses for sticking with it. But, Damo, I think all our Masonic listeners who have attained at least the 30th degree can probably skip the first two shows, don't you think? Definitely, Dan. I am quite sure that those Masons who have reached the 30th degree are already well and truly across the information that we covered in our first two shows. And such high-degree Freemasonic individuals, well, they are well and truly working for the dark side. So to be fair on them, I think we should do the right thing and give them an exemption from the first two shows. Okay, you wretched, free-thinking, esoteric, humanistic, Luciferian, (laughs) high-degree, speculative, Catholic church-hating Masons, you've got your exemption so you can bypass our first two shows and begin listening from this episode too. But I must warn you, you are in our sights and we are going to go hard. And I say that with a big exclamation mark. Oh, oh no. Dan, and so early in the show. All right, I I know you're just trying to rope me in in the hope that I will respond to your attempt at humour using a play on words. Well, I'm not going to do it, Dan, and I want you to know that for your own information. (laughs) Damo, this has all the hallmarks of being a long show. (laughs) Yeah, you might be right, Dan. So let's get cracking. 
And in doing so, let's start by outlining to our listeners the main points of discussion for this episode two. Good idea, Demo. Well, in this episode two, we will, first of all, give some information on the author, Paul A. Fisher, so our listeners get to know the man behind the Behind the Lodge door. That's a good start point, Dan. It's important to know some background about the author, Paul A. Fisher, the man behind the Behind the Lodge door, who I am sure was well supported by his wife at the time, Ruth Fisher. You know, the woman behind the man behind the behind the lodge door. Mm. Well, Demo, we have all heard the expression to tame the wild beast. Yes, yes. So with that in mind, it's a fact that without his wife, he would have been utterly ruthless. <laughs> and to that end, I also understand that their nine children played their part by obeying their mother in keeping quiet in the evenings, thus allowing their father to get on with his in-depth research on the Freemasons with minimal interruptions. Mm. So with that in mind, I think we can safely say that the children were behind the woman who was behind the man behind the behind the lodge door. (laughs) Certainly, Dan. There is a very good chance those nine children received a good upbringing too. It is vitally important that children have a solid grounding. They really need that behind them before they step out into the modern world, don't you think? I mean, it really is a jungle with all sorts of beasts out there lying in wait to devour them. So it is good to see that there was a good grounding behind the children who were behind the woman, who was behind the man, behind the behind the lodge door. <laughs> yes. Hey, Dan and Demo, how's it going? Hey, Sorry, how's it going? Uh, late for what, fellas? What are you all doing here? Can't you see we're trying to record episode two of Behind the Lodge Door? Didn't you say you wanted us here tonight to run through that new song we've all been working on? You know, that song called Vatican II? What the heck are you? No, no, that was tomorrow night, not tonight, boys. Oh, sorry, Damo. It must have been a miscommunication or something like that. Okay, well, look, look, fellas, it's not a problem. Dan and I can take a break from recording this Behind the Lodge Door episode and have a crack at the song with you tonight. That's not an issue. We've got a little bit of time up our sleeves, so let's give it a go. Hey, Dan, can you please stop the recording of this episode of Behind the Lodge Door whilst we run through the song? Yeah, but Damo, I don't know how to operate this recording machine. Oh, that's good, mate. You'll work it out. No worries at all. Not a problem. But Damo, I don't know how to... Okay, then. Matt, did you bring your banjo? Sure did. How about you, Phil? Your guitar all tuned up? Yeah, Damo, I got it. Here it is. Murray, did you get the new strings for the mandolin? New strings locked and loaded, Damon. Excellent. Alexander, have you finally worked out that fiddle part at the end of the chorus? Yeah, I've made a couple of minor changes, but I think it will work. Great. Now, Cornelius, please don't go too heavy on the drums, mate. We just need you to keep us in time, okay? Yeah, but when do I get to play them loud, Damo? You never let me play them loud. I want to play them loud. Cornelius, Cornelius. (laughs) Sounds like Rapunzel. (laughs) Cornelius, Cornelius, drums loud, drums loud. Let me play them loud. When we take you back to your padded cell, you can then play your drums as loud as you want, okay? Okay, Damo. There you go, mate. There you go. Okay. Drummers, I don't know. Hey, Demo, do you know what the difference is between a drummer and a jet engine? Uh, no, Dan. What is the difference between a drummer and a jet engine? About three decibels. Okay, anyway, boys, I'll jump on the piano and let's give it a go. Oh, one more thing. Don't forget, Phil, you're singing the high harmonies. harmonies, Murray, you're in the middle. And Matt, you can sing bass. Dan, you're on verse and I'm on chorus. Everyone comfortable with that? Yeah, 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 yeah
Are we all ready to go? Okay, here we go. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. John 23, when he usurped the papacy, a communistic chubby little chappy. The Masons celebrate the day Ron Carly gave the store away. It cheered them up and made them very happy. Montini, known as Paul the Sick, an evil man built like a stick, implemented lies and a desolation. It must be said, the day he died, they pumped him with formaldehyde, his legacy sacramental mutilation. Oh, Vatican II, you are the great apostasy, it cannot be denied, the synthesis of all heresies, steeped in disorder and foul depravity, departure from the truth you have made compulsory. Short time had upon the vacant seat, but glad to hold the top position, it is said. When he chose to investigate the bankers of the papal state, he wound up feeling somewhat kinda dead. Oh, Vatican too, it's easy to tell. You are not from heaven, you are straight from hell. Satan's bunch of tools, treating us like fools. Doctrines are true, but your doctrines smell. Along came Mr. John Paul II, an actor and a Marxist who received the mark of Shiva on his brow. Kissed the Koran and incensed Buddha, pray with Jews, he really shouldn't. To be a heretic, he showed us how. Oh, Vatican II, woo woo, what the heck are you? A protestant religion which is based on Gnosticism We've got St. Pius Tenth. you've got Ain't Saint JP2 We will keep the old and you can have the new Research Ratsy and you will find he was a V2 mastermind Ended up as Benedict Sixteen. He brought in Moldu Proprio to strike the trads another blow. Now lives his final days in quarantine. Oh, Vatican II, please go hit the highway. We play by the rules, that's why we don't eat meat on Friday. Your use of hermeneutic of continuity. More modernistic dribble, just another fallacy. Nope is out to kill all faith and hope. He's living out the Vatican to dream. Encounter solidarity, buzzwords are his speciality. He takes his rock star status to extreme. Oh, Vatican II, influenced by Bugnini. Instead of wine and bread, you're using beer and linguine. You've stolen our churches, cathedrals, and our name. Soon we will recline Oh Vatican II Where did you come from? If you did not exist I would not have to sing this song Religious liberty And existentialism 
Hey, not bad, fellas. Well done. With a little more practice and a bit of a polish, I think we can do something with that. Hey, Dan Adamo, when are we going to record this song and get it out there? I mean, Burgo might retire soon. You were talking about him putting on a bit of weight. He might explode. And um, Ratzinger, well, he's starting to resemble Tutankhamen without the bandages, so... I don't know if he's going to last much longer, so we've got to get this out there and recorded and published. Yeah, good point, Phil. If Begolia retires or Ratzinger kicks the bucket before we release this song, it will be out of date straight away. Yeah, come to think of it, you're right, boys. We need to get it out as soon as we can. I'll tell you what, Damo and I have to get on with recording this show tonight, so how about we catch up next Friday night and record the song then? Yeah, good mm. idea. Yeah, yeah that would yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. But how are we actually going to get this song out there? iTunes or something like that? Hey, here's an idea. Dan and Damo, why don't you release the song on an episode of Behind the Lodge Door? Oh, I don't know. Dan, what do you think? Can we make it work with the show? It's a bit off topic, don't you think? Well, not really, Damo. I reckon we can make it work with the show. Think about it. The song's called Vatican II. What the heck are you, right? Yes, Dan. And Damo, you and Dan have been telling us all along that the creation of the Vatican II Nova Sordo, progressive, free-thinking, Freemasonic, Gnostic, naturalistic, humanistic, ecumenist religion is the culmination of the Freemasonic plot to take over the structure of the Catholic Church by seemingly taking over the papacy, yeah? Well, yeah, but so what? Wake, Wake up, Damo! What does that tell you? Ah, well, Demo, looks like a light globe just lit at the top of your head. Oh, yeah, boys, now I get it. I see what you mean. The song will work in with the program because, let's face it, Vatican II is thus far the Freemasons' greatest triumph and we need to expose them at every opportunity, just like Pope St. Pius X said in Pascendi. And that's really what the song is about, exposing and discrediting the Freemasonic institution known as Vatican II and its satanic mass, the Novus Ordo, by telling the world about it in song. Absolutely, fellas, I like it. Let's record it next week and get it into an episode of Behind the Lodge Door. Ha <laughs> The listeners have no idea that they're going to get a random song thrown into a Behind the Lodge Door episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, fellas. What a classic. Oh, boys, let's keep this just between us, OK? It'll have more impact if none of the listeners know what we're up to. Are you all cool with that? Yeah, yeah no worries. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. All right, boys. Well done. Now, out you go. We've got to get on with recording episode two. Yeah, we'll see you next Friday, fellas, when we record the song. Keep practicing, boys, OK? Okay. Okay. Goodness me. Now, Damo, you asked me to stop the recording. Yeah, well, thanks for doing that, Dan. I appreciate that. But I didn't actually work out how to stop the machine. Yeah, great work, Dan. And look, let's continue with this episode two now. I, I see you've already hit the record button again. Excellent. Over to you, Dan, and uh, rolling. Okay, Damo. We will, first of all, discuss the author Paul A. Fisher. We will then read out some online reviews of the book and on the basis that you listeners out there are going to get our thoughts as we continue through the series, we thought it might be worthwhile at this early stage to read out the opinion of some other reviewers in order to get a general feel for what's in store for us all. And Damo, I reckon that when we get to the last show, we should come back and take another look at those same reviews and see how they compare to what we think about the book after we've gone through it with our listeners. That's a really good idea, Dan. And so after we've gone through those reviews today, we will then spend some time reviewing and discussing the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. It is imperative that we spend some time on the First Amendment, the reasons for which will become clearer later in this show. 
And the discussion on the First Amendment will be our final discussion point for today, and indeed the final discussion point before we launch into the actual content of the book, starting in the next show, which will be episode three. All right then, Dan, how about you get us started with some background on the author, Mr. Paul A. Fisher? Okay, Damo, well... Paul A. Fisher was born on March the 12th, 1921, in Indianapolis, Indiana. We don't know much about his life as a youngster, but we do know that he graduated from the University of Notre Dame in 1943 and later attended Georgetown University School of Foreign Service, as well as the American University in Washington, D.C. He entered the U.S. Army and worked for the Office of Strategic Services, OSS, during World War II and worked mainly in North Africa and Italy. The OSS was a US wartime intelligence agency. Later down the track, he was called back into service during the Korean War, where he served as a counterintelligence officer. Mm. I bet his counterintelligence skills, training and experience came in handy when he was researching the Masons for this book, Dan. In fact, I saw an interview with Paul Fisher, I believe it was recorded in the 90s, where he said, and I quote, most real intelligence comes from gathering a lot of facts which are in the public domain and putting them together. It's called the intelligence mosaic and you can find out what the picture is when you get all these facts and arrange them properly, unquote. So this is a man, Dan, who knows not only how to gather the facts but also how to arrange those facts in order to get the picture and draw some conclusions which can obviously be backed up with tangible evidence. Absolutely, Damo. And to support that claim, the bibliography for Behind the Lodge Door is really impressive. His references include eight periodicals, 11 newspapers, seven articles, 17 government publications, four manuscripts, four encyclopedias, 29 Supreme Court decisions, and 72 books. So this is a man who conducted thorough research and could therefore, as you alluded, easily back up everything he wrote. And Dan, that is probably one of the main reasons why the Masons have not gone out of their way to seriously refute this book. Many of the references are actually from Freemasonic publications. So if they were to refute the book, they would likely find themselves refuting their own work. That's right, Damo. And to do that would be, well, stupid, really. <laughs> yes, and another reason why they have not vehemently opposed the book is because they do not wish to draw attention to it. Listeners, this book, Behind the Lodge Door, has opened the eyes of many people, including low-level Masons, and as a result, the Freemasonic hierarchy prefer to keep it on the lowdown. Mm. Now, listeners, in the late 1960s and early 1970s, over a period of approximately eight years, Fisher was a legislative assistant for the US Representative James Joseph Delaney of New York, and after working for Delaney, Fisher retired to Ireland for a short time. Upon returning to the US from Ireland, he did some journalistic work from time to time, and this included as a Washington correspondent for the Triumph magazine, a magazine which commented on religious, philosophical and cultural issues from the traditionalist Catholic perspective. He also wrote for the National Catholic Register, the NCR, which was founded on 8th of November 1927 and is the USA's oldest Catholic newspaper. It is now owned by EWTN, and is, of course, now a totally modernist publication. And Demo, in checking out that totally modernist NCR website the other night, you wouldn't believe who had pride of place on the front page. Oh, uh, Bergoglio? No. Uh, Hans Kuhn? No. Ooh. Baphomet? No. Uh, Prince? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I give up, Dan. Who was it? 
It was Bishop Bernard Fallet, Superior General of the SSPX. Oh, hey! And the headline read as follows. SSPX Bishop Fallet states, Little by little, Rome is giving us all we need for reconciliation. Yeehaw! Rome, 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 here we come. Right back where we started from. And uh, in a wide-ranging interview with the NCR, Bishop Fallet detailed how Bergoglio, a.k.a. Pope Francis, has opened the door to the SSPX's full integration with the church. Oh, look, Dan, what is it with Francis's infatuation with opening doors and gates all the time? I'll tell you what it is, mate. Are you aware, and this is 100% factual, that whilst he was a student in Buenos Aires, George Mario Bergoglio worked as a doorman and bouncer at a nightclub. Absolutely dinky die fair dinkum, mate. Ah, well that explains it, Damo. He's trying to relive his youth through his fake papacy, or should I say his papacy. <laughs> By opening the doors and the gates of mercy continuously, it would be interesting to find out if the name of that nightclub just happened to be Mercy. <laughs> exactly. Opening that door of mercy is something he did when he was younger, but he just can't let go of that doorknob. Come on, George, it's time to move on with your life. Just move on. And in that article, Demo, on May the 16th, 2016, Bergoglio is quoted as saying that the SSPX are Catholics on the way to full communion and that good dialogue and good work are taking place. Oh. Dan, I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. No, 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 no. Bishop Fallet is out of control, but I think I like it. Oh, yeah. Reconciliation is just around the corner. It appears <laughs> the decision has indeed been made, and all of this ongoing painful rhetoric from Fallet and Bergoglio is simply a smokescreen. So the SSPX has chosen the apostate Bergoglio, who heads his church, over Christ, who heads his church. Not a good choice, Bishop Fallet. But on a good note, all you SSPX laity out there who keep putting off becoming state of a cantist until the next big shocking SSPX scandal takes place, well, this one is the doozy of the century. So if you don't jump ship now, chances are you never will. And if you're not going to jump ship, then it's best that you face the fact that you are a member of the Vatican II Novus Ordo Counterfeit Church, plain and simple. So, to all you SSPX laity out there, wake, wake up! What, what does that, that tell you? you? Now, moving right along, Damo, Paul Fisher also wrote for the Twin Circle magazine and The Wanderer. The Twin Circle was founded in 1964 as a Catholic newspaper with the subtitle Parents and Pastors Working Together, Engaging Youth and Family Issues, Providing Instruction on Personal Devotions and Critical Perspectives on Popular Culture. Dan, just, just on that point, you know, I'll... I was brought up to identify a Catholic priest as just that, a Catholic priest. And we would always refer to him as the priest, not as the pastor. Now, when I either read or hear someone use the term pastor, my mind immediately generates an image of, you know, it's like a 68-year-old Anglican village vicar with stringy white hair, scaly skin, comb-over eyebrows, rotten teeth, an unhealthy relationship with a bottle of whiskey, and a cheesy smile which lends one to recognise that he is not the sort of person that you want to leave your children with. <laughs> is it just me, Dan, or is the use of the term pastor to describe what appears to be a Catholic priest another modernist Freemasonic propaganda tactic 
you know, let's rid the world of the term priest and replace it with a Protestant term, pastor? Well, Damo, I understand where you're coming from, but the word pastor is very much a Catholic term. Mm. Let's see what the Catholic Encyclopedia of 1912 says. The term pastor denotes a priest who has the cure of souls, cura animarum, that is, who is bound in virtue of his office to promote the spiritual welfare of the faithful by preaching, administering the sacraments, and by exercising certain powers of external government, e.g. the right of supervision, giving precepts, imposing light corrections, that is, powers rather paternal in their nature, and differing from those of a bishop which are legislative, judicial, and coactive. Mm. A pastor is properly called a parish priest, parochus, when he exercises the cure of souls in his own name with regard to a determined number of subjects who are obliged to apply to him for the reception of certain sacraments specified in the law. Oh, okay, Dan. Well, thanks for clearing that up for me. So, in reality, the Protestants, including the Novus Ordo, of course, have stolen that term pastor and have for many years used it extensively as their own, which is probably why the image I described earlier comes to mind because we hear it so often associated with those Protestants. I'd say so, Demo. Now, the last publication I mentioned that Paul Fisher wrote for was The Wanderer. That one has an interesting history, having been founded in 1867 as a German-language newspaper. It has since been published and edited by the Matt family of St. Paul, Minnesota, starting in 1897. Although the English edition was initiated in 1931, the German edition was not discontinued until 1957. The Wanderer is still in print today, but along with another publication, The Remnant, which is run by the same family, both publications are essentially, in terms of Catholicism, a waste of space. Yes, both publications are a complete waste of time for those who seek the absolute truth because they are rife with contradiction. It is unfortunate, but it is true. Another interesting fact about Fisher Demo is that he was a member of the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre and a member of the Knights of Columbus. Oh. Well, the Knights of the Holy Sepulchre is a Roman Catholic order of knighthood under the protection of the Holy See. The Pope is sovereign of the order, which was originally founded as Militis Sancti Sepulchri, attached to the Augustinian Canons Regular of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. The order was recognised in 1113 by Papal Bull of Pope Paschal II and of Pope Callistus II in 1122. The Knights of Columbus is also a Catholic organisation which, among other work, promotes Catholic education and actively defends Roman Catholicism in various nations. But, having said that, today I would not touch either of those organisations with a 40-foot pole, as they are completely Vatican II Novus Ordo-run institutions, and who knows, it is possible they are now both run as a secret society. Mm. I don't know because I've not looked into it, but the mere fact that they are totally Novus Ordo, and the Novus Ordo is a Freemasonic organisation, it goes without saying that we must stay away from them. Dan, we mentioned earlier that Paul Fisher and his wife Ruth had nine children, six girls and three boys, that is. Ruth passed away, may God rest her soul, in 1989, one year after the book was first published, and he then married his second wife, Irene, in 1994. Paul A. Fisher passed away at the age of 86 on December the 5th, 2007, on the feast of St. Sabas, who was a strenuous opponent of the Monophysites around the year 500. Paul died as a result of complications from a stroke at the Westminster Care of Claremont in Florida, 
which was a skilled nursing facility. He was survived by his second wife, Irene, nine children, 18 grandchildren, a great-granddaughter, and one brother. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord. And let the perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Amen. Damo, you mentioned the Monophysites. Who were they? Well, the Monophysites, Dan, was the label given to their heretics who held a heretical Christological position called Monophysitism. These Monophysites asserted that in the person of Jesus Christ, there was only one divine nature rather than two natures, that being divine and human, as asserted at the Council of Chalcedon in 451. Thanks, Damo. Now we're about to get into perhaps a sensitive discussion point, but it needs to be discussed because our listeners will be expecting us to talk about it, and I'm referring to where Paul A. Fisher stood in relation to the crisis in the church. Well, Dan, we can share with our listeners what we found and what is accessible really to anyone who cares to do the research. We ascertained that he was a long-time member of the Sacred Heart Parish in Bowie, Florida, which is indeed a Novus Ordo church, although it was built around 1741. Interestingly, and as we alluded to earlier, we did track down some interviews with Paul Fisher, and some of these were actually on a program called What Catholics Believe. Now, although the term Sado Vacantist was not really a household term within the traditionalist scene in the 80s, it must be noted that all the clerics who presented on What Catholics Believe, that program, way back in the 80s and 90s, were and still are, to the best of our knowledge, Sado Vacantist. So we can deduce from that alone that although the evidence suggests he attended the Novus Ordo, Paul was certainly not vehemently opposed to those who called themselves traditional. On the contrary, his comments in the interviews were in the main in total alignment with traditionalism. And in studying those interviews from what Catholics believe and other interviews we managed to find, and in conjunction with other articles written by Paul Fisher that we've located on the Freemasonic subject, it was evident that Paul was a very switched-on man who was very genuine about assisting others to become more aware of the evil influence of the Masons in and outside of the USA. Now, as suggested earlier, it appears that Paul was what is commonly known as a conservative Novus Ordite. It is blatantly obvious to us that when it came to the socio-political and geopolitical space, he really did have the Masons pinned. But on the face of it, and I may be proven wrong as we go through the process of reviewing the book, it does seem to me that Paul never actually fully connected the dots between Freemasonry and its main aim, the complete expulsion of the supernatural from society, and more so, full and complete takeover of the Catholic Church. Mind you, that does not take anything away from his work on Behind the Lodge Door. It just means that Paul's key area of concentration was the question of socio-political Freemasonry, perhaps, and not necessarily on religious Freemasonry. I may have a different point of view after we complete the entire Behind the Lodge Door series, Dan, but I guess we will just have to wait and see. Yes, it will be interesting to revisit that question, Damo. Now, here's something a little bit left field for our listeners. When conducting research, I came across the Paul A. Fisher Primary School in Burlington, Ontario. Now, this school is named after another Paul A. Fisher, obviously Canadian, not American. But Damo, in checking out this primary school, as a result of a random search staring me in the face, was the mark of the scourge of Freemasonry. Really, Dan? What was it? Well, Damo, it's in the school motto of the primary school. And what is that, Dan? That motto is, we believe in ourselves. Oh, Good find, Dan. Not that it is too difficult to find the mark of Freemasonry these days, because it really is everywhere. 
At first glance, you know, quote, we believe in ourselves, unquote, seems harmless enough, doesn't it? But the fact is, it is a motto which is dripping in the principles of Freemasonry, a motto which is the antithesis of Catholic belief. And we know this by asking ourselves a very simple question. And that question is, is that a school motto which you would find in a Catholic school? A good test demo, and with an answer that is pretty darn obvious. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, no worries. Hey, Dan, can I have a private word with you? Sure, Damo. Excuse us for just a moment, please, listeners. Uh, what's up, Damo? Dan, I've just been handed a note, and speaking of random, this is random. Check this out. You are not going to believe this, but we've got a listener who has just rung through and wants to talk to us. How the heck did he get our number? I don't know, Damo. We've never offered to take calls from listeners, but then again, we never said they can't ring through, so what do you think we should do? Oh, well, you know what, Dan? This is a member-only show, right? Yes, Damon. So on that basis, I reckon it's worth a shot because chances are that this caller is, to use a Freemasonic term, on level. So how bad can it be? Oh, that's right, Damo. It could be an initiative that becomes really popular because others may also want to call up. And if that's the case, it may bring more people to the show. What do you reckon? Take the call? Yeah, Dan. Let's give it a go. Let's take the call. I'll give our producer the signal to patch the call through. Oh, and, and here are the details of the caller's name and location, so you deal with him. Okay, thanks, Damo. Hey, listeners, we're back on the air, and we have a caller on the line, calling all the way from Alabama in the US of A. It's Newton. Uh, Newton from uh, Bruton. Uh, uh, welcome, Newton. Hey there, Dan and Damo. This here is Newton from Bruton in good old Alabama. How y'all doing down there? Oh, well, we're going very well, Newton, and thanks for calling. And um, uh, what did you wish to tell us, uh, Newton? Well, boys, see, I was listening to that there Zero show you boys done on them there Freemasonics, and I got to thinking. Oh, oh, hang on a little bit, boys. Just one second. Hey, Mary Lou, you bring me one of them there Palo Styrene cups so I's got something to spit this here tobacco into? My back tooth is starting to float and I can't talk proper to them there behind boys. Okay, thank you, Mary Lou. Oh no, I done gone missed again and got the dog. Oh man. Oh, anyway, boys, you still there? Uh, yes, yeah, Newton, we're, we're still, still, still here. Still here, mate. Okay, so boys, I got to thank about them there Freemasonics you boys said what's first started out as them there stoned Masonics. And I think it's obvious enough why these all become free thinking and the likes. Uh, I don't quite follow you, Newton. Well, if these walk in the whole countryside and these stoned all the time, of course these gonna become free thinking, cause that stuff messes with your mind real bad gonna make you think all sorts of weirdo out there kind of woo-woo things. What you boys think? Did I hit the target with that one? Well, thanks for your contribution, Newton. For one of a better term, it was very uh, enlightening, to say the least. Mm. Now, as far as hitting the target, well, let's put it this way, Newton. You probably got closer to the polystyrene cup. <laughs> you see, Newton, in the Zero Show, we discussed the stone masons, not the stoned masons. But we thank you for your call, and we really must move on. Thanks for calling, Newton. Okay, boys. Thank you for taking my call. We'll talk again some other time. 
Hey Rufus, come here boy, let me hose off that tobacco. Mmm, well, that was interesting, Dan. Yes, uh, well, anyway, moving right along. Listeners, we would like to remind you that you are listening to Episode 2 on the Behind the Lodge Door series on member-supported Restoration Radio. We are your host, Dan. And Damo. And today we've been discussing Freemasonry on Episode 2 of Behind the Lodge Door. Right, so from here, Dan, let's move on to the next part of this episode and take a look at some reviews of the Behind the Lodge Door book, which have been posted online. And by the way, I like your idea, Dan, of coming back to those reviews when we get to the end of the series to see how our take on the book at that time compares to those we are about to read through. And on that note, let's get started. Well, listeners, before we go to the reviews, I will quickly mention the four principal areas of Freemasonic influence which the book aims to bring to light. And these are one, the Freemasonic attacks on religious education, two, Freemasonry is the enemy of the true Catholic Church, three, Freemasonic influence on national, political and social policy, and four, the Freemasonic recruitment process. Right, with that in mind, here is our first review. This one's called Masonry's Counterattack from January 5, 2000. I am amazed that there have been several quite negative comments to the effect that this book is not based on facts or is the same old story of half-truths, innuendos, etc. The fact is that the book is copiously documented with over 1,000 endnotes, primarily from Masonic sources. Indeed, the author makes known that he read every page of each monthly issue of the former flagship magazine of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry of the Southern Jurisdiction titled The New Age for each of the years from 1921 through 1984. Mm. The book is based primarily on that work and documents from New Age articles that Masonry has been for nearly 300 years a subversive secret cabal to overthrow church and state in the United States and elsewhere. Within two years after Lodge Door was published, the magazine's title was changed to, I believe, The American Freemason. And just on that, Dan, there are claims from a number of people, obviously including this person that you are quoting now, that Fisher's expose was the reason why the New Age magazine, which was the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry magazine, had a name change to the American Freemason. I also found, and I'm happy to be corrected on this, that the Australian edition of the New Age magazine was also changed, but it was changed to the New Dawn around the same time. So it appears Fisher certainly had some impact. Oh, it certainly does, Damo. And the reviewer goes on to say, further, Lodge Door is augmented by numerous citations from a Scottish Rite Bible titled Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, who was found guilty of treason to the United States during the Civil War. He was pardoned by President Andrew Johnson, a Mason, who undertook his 32-degree ritual in masonry in his White House bedroom. That president's pardoning of Albert Pike was one of the reasons for the House impeachment of him, which was rejected in the Senate by one vote following a full court press by Masonry in America. I strongly urge every American to read the book, which has sold well over 25,000 copies. Other sources include a long secret report on Masonry's secret efforts to initiate the Philippine insurrection at the turn of the last century, which is available in the National Archives Internal Revenue Forms 990 on the Scottish Rite and allied organisations, as well as over 200 other books. The most startling revelation in the book documents that the United States Supreme Court was dominated by Masonic justices from 1941 through 1971 in ratios of 5-4 and 8-1. 
Moreover, it is documented that the court took up religion clause cases almost in the same sequence as were discussed in the New Age magazine. Mm, interesting. Behind the Lodge Door is one of the most important books on Freemasonry that has ever been written. Mm, here's, here's another review, Dan. It's, uh, it's called Somewhat Disappointing mm. from February the 1st, 2004. I eagerly read this book and found myself somewhat disappointed by the fact that the author's only evidence against masonry seems to be guilt by association. True, the author points out many citations from masonry's own periodical publication. True, many of the organisations with which masonry has associated itself in its history, including, regrettably, the KKK, cast some doubt on masonry. This book, however, falls short of any type of conviction of masonry. The only bright spot in this book is that it could serve as a starting point, but no further, for anyone who wants to research the history of Masonic activities in this country. With the historical detail given of the US in the 19th century, one could also use this book as a springboard into studying oppression against Catholics in this country. But in any event, Holy Mother Church still forbids Catholics to enter into Masonic fraternities. If anyone says otherwise, please go to your favourite search engine and look up the document, Quaesitum Est, and that being the case, we ought not join them. Too general to be conclusive, two stars only. Hmm, an interesting review, Damo. But I have one comment, and that is, listeners, the review referred to the document, Quaesitum Est, now, so that you are aware, the document was produced in 1983 by the Prefect of the Sacred Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, and that was Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. Mm -hmm. So that document was written by a Freemason and is not worth the paper it was written on. Mm. Good pick up, Dan. What's the next one? Okay, this one is called Quite Good from September the 3rd, 2005. Paul Fisher's important book is thoroughly researched, meticulously documented, and well-written. Certainly, it is the clarion call, meaning a call to war of a Catholic against the dangers of Freemasonry in American society. But that is no reason to condemn the book. Rather, understanding the perspective of the author helps us to appreciate more fully what is reflected in the corpus of the work. And there is much in the body of this work that is extremely important and revelatory. For instance, Mr. Fisher shares startling, sensational, and well-founded examples of many of America's founders who were both Freemasons and prominent members of the insidious Ku Klux Klan. When the author delves into the influence of secret societies on American history, the work is absolutely great and powerfully important. A small criticism is that, in this reviewer's opinion, too much space is devoted to the Supreme Court and its penetration by the aforementioned Freemasons and Klansmen. This notwithstanding, the book is, in the whole, important and well recommended. May the Lord richly bless the author, his publisher, and any future readers. Okay, the next one is called Excellent Book from December the 17th, 2006. And it reads, At one point, I had to remove all my reviews from Amazon because the harassment became so much. Mm. This all happened after I posted a positive review of this book by Paul A. Fisher. The date of this review shows the date of the original review. However, I am posting this new review on August the 21st, 2010. So this is mm. four years later. He goes on to say, I found this book to be extremely interesting, truthful and well-researched. What is so powerful about this book is that a vast amount of information in it was actually taken from Freemasonry's own books, magazines and writings. 
basically these craft fellows are indicting themselves while factual history does the rest. The book is a real eye-opener, and when all these facts are put together, it actually explains a lot about history and current affairs. Mr. Fisher proves that masonry is, in fact, a religion. It shows how members will lie, cheat, and pressure people to get their way, and will do almost anything to keep their antics secret or to discredit their opponents, which they consider their enemies. I found this out in a very real and somewhat frightening way when I started being harassed here on this website and even on other websites. I was accused of hating Jews and Freemasons. Many of my reviews were stalked and lies were written about me. I'm not saying that every member of this group behaves like this. I am saying that I have experienced some of the tactics that Fisher wrote about in his book. Frankly, I'm perplexed why so many people would want to be a member of a group with so much to answer for in their beliefs and behaviour. A very good book that every library should contain. Mm. Okay, this one is called A Scathing Expose, May the 12th, 2007. Paul A. Fisher is obviously a Roman Catholic who not only takes the Catholic stand on the matter of Freemasonry, but did some serious research on the subject of Masonry. Mr. Fisher also has taken a courageous stand by publishing what must be considered to be a very controversial book. I'm not a Roman Catholic, but it doesn't take being a Roman Catholic to read and heed the writing on the wall, and reach the conclusion that no committed Christian belongs behind the lodge door. Behind the lodge door contains a gold mine of information for historians, patriots, and Catholics and non-Catholics who consider themselves Christians. And the next one is called A Great Book on Freemasonry, August the 11th, 2007. This is the best book that I have read on Freemasonry so far. By far the best. Paul Fisher should be commended for writing this meticulous work. The author goes right down the line and lists what tactics this group uses and how they use their connections to propagate their religion. He quotes extensively from their own books and newspapers. The secret society of the Freemasons is real and their pagan religion is real and their tactics are real, as well as the very real consequences people have to deal with because of their existence. I myself have had an experience with the Freemasons where I had collected some information and quotes on an internet website on my user page. I was hounded, attacked, accused of all sorts of things and my page was vandalized. In the end, they successfully got the information deleted. This is how they work. The funny thing was that all the information that I collected was factual. Many were just quotes from Masons in their own works. How afraid they are indeed of the truth. Fisher's book backs up my experience to show that this is how they have worked for centuries. He also cites how the Masons and the Ku Klux Klan were usually one and the same. The book is written clearly and lists the major figures of American Freemasonry and what kind of people they were, and it documents how the Masons infiltrated the United States Supreme Court so that they could pervert the laws of the country to reflect their secret society's warped view of the world. Many of the liberal laws that we are suffering from today were caused because of Freemasons in government and in high places. The book has taught me to never vote for one, that's for sure. Behind the Lodge Door is a great book and an excellent read. Fisher doesn't really examine the spiritual aspects of being a Mason, however. This one's called Exceptionally Well Documented and Footnoted, April the 10th, 2010. I've read this book many times. 
once straight through, yet I repeatedly go back to review the information contained in the chapters, noting sources. Having read other books on Freemasonry, I found behind the lodge door to be very well documented. Not a single statement or reference to a fact leaves the reader hanging, wondering where the author got the information. It is interesting to note that many other books are reviewed by the Masons and put through the usual custom of using ridicule to dismiss it. Yet I've never noticed them reviewing Paul Fisher's book. It seems as though the Masons don't want to call attention to it. If anyone knows of an official review of the book by the Masons, I'd like to know about it. Mm, that's a good one. The next one is Great Analysis on the Evils of Freemasonry from June the 10th, 2012. The Catholic prohibition on masonry still stands. Hence, I was curious to discover just why the church forbids this seemingly innocuous movement. The book provided an answer which was clear, but nonetheless frightening. Freemasonry is riddled with occultism and is at its heart hostile to the mission of Christ and his church. There can be no confusion as to the demonic origins of this organization. It has been involved in some of the bloodiest revolutions in recent centuries and is intent on destroying the peace of God. I highly recommend this book. This one's called Good But Was Hoping For Better, August the 10th, 2013. I was hoping for a succinct refutation of Freemasonry in one source and some new insights I could use to help steer a friend away from his attachment to Masonry. Positives. This book establishes in detail the Freemasonic attacks on religious and particularly Catholic education. Interestingly, prior to a decades-long campaign by Freemasons, state governments had supported Catholic and Protestant schools with tax money, and this was never seen by the courts or lawmakers to be unconstitutional. In fact, as the book shows, the founders, lawmakers and courts consistently and repeatedly affirmed that the United States was a Christian country. Only when prominent Masons began completely lying about the past and misusing the private writings of Jefferson and Madison did this opinion begin to change. Fisher discusses the strong similarities and alliances between the KKK and Masonry. Although I do not think he gives definite proof that the KKK is an offshoot of Masonry, he gives a great deal of evidence that they are very similar in nature and goals, including, of course, their anti-Catholicism. The author gives a good capsule summary of the true beliefs of Masonry, not just the window dressing which Freemasons throw around for the uninitiated. These beliefs are Luciferian and Antichrist. There is a good quick appendix on the mystery religions that Freemasonry extols. Finally, I enjoyed the short section on the Philippine Revolution, which was basically a Masonic front to attack the church. Negatives. The opening chapter is awkward and does not read as well as the rest of the book. Although I enjoyed that book's revelations on the role of Freemasonry in secularizing education, I also thought that the book devoted too much time to the subject. I would have appreciated more discussion of Masonry's literally Luciferian beliefs, as well as more discussion of the influence of Masonry outside of the US. In fact, I cannot recall if the book ever mentions the French Revolution. Fisher stumbles around Paul VI's reversal of the Church's position on Masonry as though he cannot explain why a Pope would do that. The reason is that Paul VI was an anti-Pope. Right, and this one is called Great Reading from April the 8th, 2014. I would recommend this for anyone that is interested in religious liberty and upholding our constitution as our forefathers meant it to be. Not as a few anti-Christian judges feel it should be, we need to get back to the basics of what our country was founded on. Okay, Damo, I think that will do with the reviews. 
There are some differing points of view there, but it appears the common thread is that the book is well-researched and very relevant to the history of the USA and has actually hit the Freemasons pretty much right between the eyes. It seems highly recommended by most, so on the face of it, it appears we have chosen well, Damon. It certainly appears that way, Dan. And listeners, you can purchase the book from True Restoration Press for only $10 US. So hop to it and make your purchase because stocks are limited. Yes, I might just take this opportunity to also mention another book, Demo, which was written by Fisher. Okay. And this one is very pertinent to the Freemasonic question, a book titled Their God is the Devil. It is a book on papal encyclicals and Freemasonry, so it does complement Behind the Lodge Door. Let's take a quick look at what one reviewer had to say about this one. This one's called A Well-Researched Book, uh, and the review was done on August the 12th, 2010. And it says... I was lucky enough to get a copy of this book, which is well worth a read by anyone interested in the subject matter. The author, Paul A. Fisher, who is sadly no longer with us, does another magnificent job in educating Christians on the history of certain secret societies and these groups' concerted effort in destroying Christianity and Christian society. Fisher goes through many of the papal encyclicals which mention these groups and their methods. There are 13 chapters that take a look at the history of some of these secret organisations and how they affected events around the world, inciting revolutions and attacking the Catholic Church and Christian morality. I highly recommend this little book. It is certainly food for thought, and with the events of the past 50 years in the United States, it is interesting to see that the crumbling of religion and morals in society were already being assaulted centuries ago. I also recommend Fisher's larger study, which is of course called Behind the Lodge Door. All right, Damo, it's now time to move on to our final topic of discussion in this episode two of Behind the Lodge Door, and that topic is the First Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. So, Dan, why are we covering the First Amendment? Well, Damo, we need to cover the First Amendment because it is essential to the question of Freemasonry in the USA, and the reason why it is essential is because the First Amendment is... Sorry to say, but it is the truth, a total farce. This will become clearer as we continue in this discussion. Okay, Dan, that's a big call saying that the First Amendment is a total farce. This will make for an interesting conclusion to the episode. Now, for the benefit of our listeners, and in particular our non-American listeners, the First Amendment consists of the first 45 words of the Bill of Rights, which was ratified in December of 1791. The First Amendment supposedly protects an individual's freedoms of religion, speech, press, assembly and petition and these freedoms are specific to the relationship between the individual and the federal government. It serves as the blueprint for freedom of expression and religious liberty and it all sounds wonderful and yay, I have all these rights and yay, I'm protected, yay, well guess what? What you think you have as freedoms and what you actually have as freedoms are, when you break it all down, two very different things. That's right, Damo. And by the way, listeners, the Bill of Rights is simply the collective name for the first 10 amendments to the US Constitution. Now, here is the first amendment to the United States Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievance. Oh damn, well doesn't that sound so wonderful? 
If you were an American citizen, Dan, would you feel that your rights were protected? Yes, Damo, I probably would. But given I'm an Aussie and I have no emotional attachment to the United States, I can assess the First Amendment with complete objectivity. And in doing so, I conclude that it is a meticulously thought out statement which is designed to be totally ambiguous in order to ensure it can be interpreted in about six million different ways. And given it is completely open to interpretation, the interpretation of those with the money and the power will always win the day when it comes to the law. Yeah, well, that's right, Dan. As the saying goes, everyone who has to defend themselves in a court of law is always innocent until they run out of money. <laughs> yes, it is precisely as a result of the First Amendment demo that the rights of God and his church in society are not recognised. In fact, the First Amendment has taken the place of church in the notion of church and state. And this is, of course, completely contrary on so many levels to the teachings of Holy Mother Church. And if we had the time to provide a deeper analysis, we can prove that the parallels between the ideology of Vatican II and the principles of the First Amendment are almost identical. Both are drowning in Freemasonry because both are created by the Freemasons. So, Dan, how is it possible that the First Amendment has taken the place of the church? How, how does that work? Well, the First Amendment takes the place of the church because the Freemasonic founding fathers of the USA made sure that from the very beginning there was no church and state. Rather, there was a complete separation of church and state. In other words, no church, only state. Now, some of our listeners may not be aware, but separation of church and state is condemned by the Catholic Church. Yet this is the governmental system upon which the USA is built. And in fact, most countries around the world are now the same. It hasn't just happened that way. The enemies of Christ require that the true Catholic Church has no influence in matters of religion and in spirituality in society. History has proven that when church and state work together for a common goal, the system is extremely effective. But when the church is removed from the picture, in other words, when God is removed, the logical end is disaster. So already we can see that the USA was not off to a good start. So Dan, you are saying that when you extract the church from the system of church and state, you effectively take away religion, the true religion, of course, because what other religion is there? Mm. And when this happens, it begs the questions. Who or what is guiding the state in matters of morals and spirituality? In essence, the religious aspects of life in society. Who or what is protecting God's right to be worshipped in the manner in which he prescribed? Who or what is ensuring the people of society are assisted in their pursuit to increase in virtue and in doing so get closer to their heavenly king in preparation for eternity? Who and or what is looking after these things? Mm. Well, the answer to that, of course, Demo, is that the state takes over such functions, functions for which it does not have the ability, capacity, and most importantly, the authority from God to perform. Yet in the USA, the state has usurped those functions, and as a result, the state alone determines what is moral and what is not. What freedom of religion is to exist and what freedom of religion is not to exist, what is freedom of speech and what is not, and so on and so on. Here is a perfect example. In the USA, it is lawful under the First Amendment to conduct a satanic mass where those who take part include a ritual denouncing Jesus Christ and stomp and spit on a wafer representing the communion. Mm, it's terrible. And Dan, it is also lawful under the First Amendment for homosexuals to parade around the public streets and sidewalks of Philadelphia at a $10,000 taxpayer-funded celebration of homosexuality called Outfest. 
But if six men and five women were to exercise their First Amendment right to peacefully protest against such an abomination in a public place and call those homosexuals to repent, then those 11 people will be arrested. This did actually happen, Dan, in Philadelphia in 2004, mm. and the 11 people were actually charged. They were charged with criminal conspiracy, obstructing a highway, disorderly conduct, and a violation of the state hate crime statute banning ethnic intimidation. And how does yeah. this fit in? Well, shortly before the Gay Pride March, a state law had added sexual orientation and gender identity to the state's quote-unquote ethnic intimidation law. And as amended, state law defined ethnic intimidation as quote-unquote malicious intent toward, among other characteristics, sexual orientation. So listeners, look, go online and type in Philadelphia 11 arrested. Have a look at the YouTube and draw your own conclusions regarding the USA's First Amendment rights. Mm. Damo, it is quite reasonable for an American Catholic who feels his religious rights are being violated by the state to cry out, I have rights under the First Amendment. And that may make him feel warm and fuzzy inside. It may give him the impression that his religious rights are protected. But is the same American Catholic aware that as a result of that very same First Amendment, every conceivable false religion has rights, including the right to protest against the one true Church of Christ, as we mentioned earlier? We must ask ourselves, is that lawful under the ultimate law, which is divine law? Is that American Catholic aware that under the First Amendment, it is quite lawful to blaspheme our Lord and Saviour? That's right. Obama, in his speech to the UN General Assembly, made a statement that, and I quote, the majority of Americans are Christian, and yet we do not ban blasphemy against our most sacred beliefs, unquote. Hey, look at us. See how we are all so free to practice whatever religion we want, say what we want, print what we want. We have all these wonderful freedoms under the First Amendment. Well, I'm sorry, America, or as the Freemasons call you, the American experiment, but you don't have freedoms. Nothing can take the place of the church in society. Last of all, a law created by the Freemasons themselves. Yes, it should also be clear to our listeners by now, the term the American experiment, which we've mentioned on a number of occasions, is not just a throwaway descriptor. It is indeed a calling card, a reminder to all those who embrace the principles of Freemasonry that the USA is founded on their philosophies, their ideals, their desire for a utopia which is totally man-centric, thus free from the supernatural, free from the true religion, and indeed from truth itself. Dan, I hope it is becoming obvious to our listeners that the foundation of the USA, or put it another way, the very cornerstone of the USA is built on sand. Even when you go back as far as the Founding Fathers, as we have clearly outlined, you will not find Catholicity. And Damo, you've just hit the nail on the head regarding the Founding Fathers of the United States. We often hear patriots, conservatives, and even true Catholics say almost word for word the same thing that one of the reviewers in fact stated earlier when he said, we need to get back to the basics of what our country was founded on. 
And what was the USA founded on, Dan? Well, you will not find evidence of a nation built on the principles of Catholicism. That is as obvious as Obama's fake tears. <laughs> you will only find evidence of a nation built on anti-Catholic humanitarianism. Remember the triad of the Enlightenment that we mentioned in episode one, liberty, equality, and fraternity? These are the sacred values of those who oppose Christ and his church. And it must be acknowledged that these are the sacred Freemasonic values imposed on the American people by the Freemasonic founding fathers. But further to that, these are now indeed the sacred values of the world, not just the USA, the world. A world which has turned its back on the one true God. The world of today is all about embracing freedom from God, as if it were even possible then. Listeners, it does not matter where you turn, under which rock you take a peek, the American experiment is drowning in Freemasonry. Here is yet another obvious example. In the US Declaration of Independence, in black and white, it states the following, the self-evident truth that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Listeners, this is the philosophical and moral foundation of the USA, which was carefully worded to ensure the door was left ajar, so that when, and as required, Masons would enter and employ their tactics, thus activating the Luciferian scheme with the aim of annihilating the supernatural and replacing it with their own humanistic substitute. I agree, Dan. And listeners, consider this. Quote-unquote self-evident truth. Now, self-evident truth can be said to have been achieved when the will and the intellect of the individual is indeed in alignment with reality. However, to extend that phrase as follows, and I quote, the self-evident truth that all men are created equal, unquote, is a lie, plain and simple. To believe that all men are created equal is to hold to equalitarianism, which denies the absolute truth that there are differences between people. I mean, come on. Of course, there are differences between us all. And we can go further to one of the greatest hypocritical statements known to man found in the Declaration of Independence and embodied in the First Amendment to the US Constitution. And that statement is that every American citizen has, and I quote, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why do you think that is a hypocritical statement, Damon? Well, Dan, that question will be best answered by the most fragile in society, the most helpless, those in most need of care, those who are our most innocent. Ask the USA 60 million aborted human beings if their First Amendment rights were protected, if they enjoyed, quote-unquote, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No, the First Amendment is the church substitute, which, as everyone is taught, protects the rights of all US citizens. It protects your religious freedom and freedom of speech, among other things. But here is the reality, Dan. It was created to protect the rights and freedoms, that is, the so-called rights and freedoms of those who oppose Christ and his church. In essence, the First Amendment is completely incompatible with the law of God because it is created to free man from the law of God. This will become even more apparent when we return in episode three. And with all that said, Dan, I think we are done with episode two. So is there anything else you would like to add before we close out? Well, uh, today, Damo, we have discussed the background of the author, 
We've also read reviews from other readers, and we've talked about the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Now, one thing I'd like to notice, because one of the reviewers did uh, did say about how the first chapter didn't quite flow with the rest of the book, etc. Uh, for instance, just go straight into a Supreme Court decision, and it uh, feels a little bit unusual, uh, an unusual place to start the book, really. Perhaps it was a topical thing at the time. Perhaps he thought he'd, he'd introduce the first chapter by talking about something topical, and then he would get to the... Um, um, the roots. Oh, look, it is an unusual way to start the book, but nonetheless, he's, he's chosen to do it that way. But what you can't deny is his extensive collection of um, uh, research, and um, it, it is very impressive. I, I don't, I can't think of any book that I've read that has eighty pages of, of references. Now, is there anything you'd like to add there, David? Well, Dan, we did cover a lot of ground today, as we normally do. But you know, something I would like to actually quickly share with our listeners. Uh, and hone in on something that uh, you mentioned about the, the random search you did that came up with that Canadian primary school the, oh, yes. with the Freemasonic motto of "We believe in ourselves." Ah, well, yes. just a quick story. Uh, I was travelling from Brisbane back to Melbourne on business a few years ago. Just happened to be the same at the same time when the Nope Benedict the Sixteenth was oh, yeah, in that. Brisbane. It was probably one of those those World Youth Day things that they do. Mm. And he was being interviewed, and I remember because I was in the taxi and the um, uh, he had the radio on, he had the news on, and uh, Benedict had been interviewed, and the question asked of him was, Holy Father, if there was one thing you could say to the youth of today, what would it be? And he said... If there was one thing I could say to the youth of today, of course, he said it in a German accent, but yes. I'm going to try and... Yes, there was one thing. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Go on. Um, he said, if there's one thing I could say to the youth of today, it would be, believe in yourselves. Oh, oh goodness me. So, I mean, well, there we go. you know, it is a wake up, what does that tell you moment, because at the end of the day, you know, I think you used the term earlier, dripping in Freemasonry, and that's exactly what it is. So yes. I just thought I'd share that because whilst this topic is about Freemasonry and we are using behind the lodge door as you mm. know, to give it as our compass, if you like, it always comes back to what we are trying to emphasise, which is that Vatican II is the result of the Freemasonic plot. So well, yeah, I mean, can you imagine, uh, you know, uh, Pope Saint Pius the Tenth saying, uh, "Just believe in yourselves, guys." <laughs> You know? <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, yeah. no, no. I couldn't imagine. Shandy and then, uh, oh, listen, by the way, uh, yeah. believe in yourselves. Don't believe in God, Dan. Mm, mm. You don't want to do that. You want to believe in yourself. <laughs> and when it all turns to pot, okay, <laughs> then yeah. You, yeah. there's nowhere to go. No, no, no. When it all turns to pot, then you blame God, right? <laughs> that's right. Yes. The God that you don't believe that's in. That's right. Yeah, the God that doesn't exist, <laughs> yeah. you blame him. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah. pretty much how it works, that isn't makes it? Sense. You know? You know, why is there? A, why does God let so many terrible things happen? But you don't believe in God. Oh yeah, yeah but that's why I don't believe in God because God allows these terrible things to happen. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. <clears throat> but uh, but just to finish off, um, I know we did cover the First Amendment, and we got into some detail there, and we're looking at it from a slightly different perspective. But we stand by what we've stated there, and a really good way of looking at it is to say, well. Those who, who cry out to say, well, you know, I'm calling on my First Amendment rights here, you know, mm. in my defence. Well, 
as we've clearly shown, the, Freemus, the, the First Amendment is created by Freemasons. And so when we look at what the reviewer said, and he said, we've got to get back to the, 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 you know, the basics of our, oh, yes. of our country and the, what it was founded on. Well, you see, you're in this never-ending circular motion of, you know, you become despondent because the government takes away your rights and freedoms. And you say, we've got to go back to the Constitution, to the Declaration of Independence, to the First Amendment. And you get there and you go, oh. Oh, this was written by Freemasons. All right, so we'll start again. And then you just you're on this circle. So yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. not anti-American, are we, Dan? No, no? Be, no. Well, not at all, because um, you know, it's it's the West as a whole. We, uh, the West is a whole. The West, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> we're just trying to help. Indeed. Uh, Austra- look, Australia is part of the philosophical system as well. Correct. We are uh, we are all exposed to it. So mm. I'd like to finish off on that, Dan. It's, I've enjoyed doing the show with you once again. Yes, thank you. Uh, same. And uh, if you have any questions about anything you've heard on today's episode, please email questions at truerestoration.org. We want to remind you that Behind the Lodge Door is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to copyright at truerestoration.org. All of us here at member-supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a mass, a rosary or even a simple ave for our work the next time you pray. For The Restoration, I am Dan. And I am Damo. May May God God bless you. Do you believe in me, Dan? I believe in myself. I mean, I believe in you. (laughs) 